When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 332 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Adam is not um, here. So you just get me for this morning, both for this introduction right now and then the interview. Um, Today's interview is um, one I did with New York Times bestselling author Fiona Barton. She is the author of The Widow and The Child and her latest book, um, The Suspect, came out at the beginning of the year, so I get to tra- uh, talk with her about that. Um, Fiona, prior to becoming a novelist, Fiona had actually worked as a reporter. She was a journalist for many, many years, and that sort of inspired um, some of the stories and novels that she writes, so we talk a little bit about that, um, especially in a, let's say, current climate where journalists and news sources are really not always in the best state, um, financially speaking, or are not always used in a positive way. So we do delve into that just a little bit. So if you have um, any questions or comments or follow-up or all that fun stuff, you know, you can always reach out to Adam and myself. You can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We have all of our social links there. We are on Twitter and Instagram, at ProBookNerds, and you can always... Email us directly at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. We read all of those and try to respond um, to all of them if we can. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Awkward. It's always so weird doing these by myself because I'm always convinced I forget things and I, and I don't. Or I do. And I have no idea what I just said. That's the other thing, Right. I don't know if I forgot anything or what I said makes any sense, and Adam is not here to tell me, so that's fun. Okay, so that's everything. It's Monday. It is almost May. <sighs> fun times. Um, that's it. That's everything. I'm going to stop rambling now, um, and I hope you all enjoy this interview I did with Fiona Barton on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <music> This is Jill, and with me today is international best-selling author Fiona Barton, um, author of The Widow and the Child. Before starting her career as a novelist, Fiona worked as a journalist, where she won Reporter of the Year at the National Press Awards. Her latest book, The Suspect, is out now. Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. So can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to The Suspect? Sure. Um, It's the third book I've written, and um, my journalist, Kate Waters, who featured in The Widow and the Child, is back. Um, This is the story of two 18-year-old girls from Britain who go on a gap year. This is uh, between um, high school and university. Um, They're going to go travelling together, and they head off for Thailand. Um, They disappear quite quickly after arriving in Bangkok 
and Kate Waters writes the story um, for her newspaper. She, like almost everybody else, thinks that they're sitting on a beach somewhere having mm-hmm. far too good a time mm-hmm. to uh, phone home. But um, bodies uh, turn up in Bangkok and uh, so Kate and the media pack from the UK go fly out there to cover the story with the parents. Um, but when she gets there, Kate, who had been um, quite pleased to be sent on this story because um, her son, Jake, uh, had dropped out of university, out of law school two years previously and gone to find himself uh, in Southeast Asia. She's uh, not had very much contact with him and is hoping that she can reconnect with him while she's out there doing this other story um, and uh, talk to him about what he's going to do with the rest of his life. So um, she gets there and she's ahead of the pack. She's got the in with the parents. She's doing really well. But then suddenly everything is flipped on its head um, when she becomes the story instead of the reporter. One thing I like about your books is that they feel very real life you know you have these characters that are very ordinary and then these things happen to them was there anything was there sort of a real life inspiration for this particular story well there was (laughs) (laughs) my my son um when he was 18 he went to vietnam uh, for his gap year um, he's now a 34-year-old, almost 35-year-old psychiatrist, and he won't thank me for telling you this. <laughs> but when he was 18, off he went, and he was terrible at staying in touch. And there wasn't social media um, to use. He was writing letters. I mean, it was that old school. Mm-hmm. and um, Or wasn't writing letters. He was terrible at staying in touch. And I used to lie in bed at night thinking, you know, he's in a ditch. Um, that's why he hasn't been in touch. So I have used, I've infected Kate and uh, the mothers of the two 18-year-old girls with that terrible stomach-churning fear that we have for our children when they're not in in, um, close proximity. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the social media because there is a element of social media in this in this book. Um, What which makes it feel very timely? Um, Is that sort of why you included that? That it just feels very now yeah i mean i didn't i didn't want people to think i was doing it to be down with the kids no (laughs) Um, but what i used it for really was what it really fascinates me this disconnect between what we tell people about ourselves on social media the avatars that we have you know the much much more successful prettier cleverer um having a much better time person we are on social media and the disconnect between that and and what is really going on in our lives, um, you know, in an, in an age when it, information is so readily available, I just feel we've got more to hide. And I think people do hide more. They they put these you know public images out there and then have to live up to them. Um, you know, it's very stressful. And I thought it was an interesting way to sort of highlight how we don't really know each other, um, how it's so difficult to know somebody else. Uh, you know, you suddenly get flashes of of the real person inside and it comes as a shock. Um, but nobody knows anybody completely. How can we possibly know each other? Mm. I'm, I know that, as I said in the introduction, you started as a journalist. 
um, beyond just in, uh, inspiring your main character, what other impact has that experience had on writing your books? Well, a huge impact um, because I found it very difficult at the beginning to invent. Uh, I know people think reporters invent all the time, but we don't. Uh, quite the reverse. And it was very difficult to let go of that that training, that what I'd done for 30 years, which was to make sure everything was rooted in fact, that I checked that things were right, that you know you were reporting faithfully what people said or the things that you'd seen. To let go of that completely was very hard when I first started. And so I think I've got a bit better. I'm a bit less mimsy about <laughs> it now, but I, I do... I do root my stories in experience. So, you know, I've been very lucky um, that I met some interesting, fascinating, awful, wonderful people over the years and, and did things and saw things um, that I can call on now. Um, I often, you know, I amalgamate, obviously. I, I take bits from one character and, uh, and, and bits from another. but. It's wonderful to have that, to be able to ground a story in something that you have actually seen or someone you've actually spoken to. I find your choice of using a reporter as a main character unique. A lot of these sort of thriller type books, um, you know, you're looking through the eyes of the, de the detective and here we have a journalist. And I think it's really important now, of course, we're in this time where journalism um, is sort of under attack in a lot of ways. And um, sure. over the weekend, of course, there were, you know, over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of journalists let go. So for you, why, other than, you know, that being what you're familiar with, why was it important to have your stories told by the journalist? Well, it, it was a, a number of things. As you say, it felt very comfortable to write Kate. She was never meant to be a main character. Um, in the first book, she was simply there to get Jean to talk, so like a reporter does, um, mm -hmm. to listen to what Jean had to say. But she gradually grew and grew and got her own chapters and muscled in, refused to leave. Um, so I felt very comfortable writing her. But what I discovered was that um, having a reporter as the investigator, if you like, um, was was quite an interesting way to do it. Um, for one, you a reporter doesn't have to fill everything out in triplicate. They're much more nimble. They can they can go and and talk to people um, that detectives would talk to, to be honest. But they can do it faster. They can react much faster. There isn't the kind of you know um, red tape and uh, structure that uh, that detectives must follow in order to bring a case to court. I mean, I do understand why it's like that, but it just meant I could be quicker. Um, the story could progress quicker. Uh, so um, there was that. And also, I wanted to challenge the stereotypes, actually, of, of journalists. Mm -hmm. Journalists as criminals and weasels. Um, I wanted to show what it's like to be a reporter on the road. And, um, and I, I've had such a response to it. I was a bit nervous, I have to admit, at the beginning. Um, you know, people would say to me, oh, reporters make everything up, you know, without even thinking about what that really meant. Uh, so I thought they might be very hostile to her. 
but that hasn't been the case. And there's been a conversation, you know, at events that I've done, people have wanted to know more. What's mm. it like being a reporter? What's it, you know, what's the emotional impact of it? And, you know, seeing reporters as human beings, which is nice. Right, yeah. I mean, I think that's, there is sort of this, um, idea of some people that reporters do make things up um and so i think you do give with kate a face to the the field that makes her very understandable and like a real per- i mean like a real person you know of course which of Absolutely. course reporters are yeah i think it's i know but not in fiction um, <laughs> I, I had to come up with my top 10 uh, journalists in fiction for you know with some publicity material and I couldn't find any. I mean, you know, Lois Lane. I, I was down to <laughs> Lois Lane. And, uh, oh, God, I can't. Oh, the, the, there was a reporter in Bonfire of the Vanities. And uh, it just, it, the, those stereotypes are always, um, they're always cartoonish, <laughs> literally, for Lois Lane. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it was good to it sort of it just open the door on it a bit, um, you know, to, to show what it's really like. Yeah, that's true. I can't think of any journalists other in fiction other than Lois Lane and Kate. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about yeah. it. <laughs> now that I think about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah how funny. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so as you said, Kate wasn't really intended to be main character. Does that mean that when you first wrote The Widow, you sort of expected it to be a standalone? Or did you always envision a series? No, it was, it was goodness, I was... <laughs> thrilled to get to the end of the of one <laughs> let alone think about writing more but yes it was definitely a standalone and it was Jean's story it was the widow's story and it it was about a marriage with secrets and 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 really the journalism didn't you know wasn't a main player it wasn't a main thing in it so it sort of took me by surprise but um it just felt very right when I was writing it I thought well I'm not going to you know fight this so um, I kept her, and because of the reaction to her, I thought, okay, I'm going to um, I'm going to put her at the centre of the next book and see what happens there. And um, again, there was a, a good because there were dilemmas, there were moral questions, and she's it's interesting, you know, people are interested in that sort of thing, those sort of questions. Yeah. Does did the reaction to her surprise you then? Yeah. It did. I really thought I was going to get, you know, cabbages thrown at me. <laughs> Be, honestly, there was a lot of animosity to uh, to journalists at the time. Um, some of it, you know, quite right. Mm-hmm. But um, it was, uh, what was so galling for me was that all reporters were tarred with the same brush, if you like. They, you know, so there were there were some there were some people who who did illegal things, very bad things, and I absolutely have no time for that. Um, you know they were rightly dealt with, but that doesn't mean that every journalist in the world is um, doing the same thing. But there we are. Yes, stereotypes so, are very easy, aren't they? <laughs> very lazy. Yeah. Um, so because you don't you come from the journalist side and not um, the investigative side as a detective in a police force. Mm. When it comes to research for your books, do you have any local police officers or detectives that help you along the way with making sure things are accurate in that regard? 
Yes, I do. I do. I have a wonderful policeman, um, very senior. He was a de uh, detective chief inspector, DCI, uh, on the murder squad, um, and he his was his case was the last one I reported on. There was a big murder case, a serial killer, and um, I worked with um, with Colin Sutton then. I got to know him then. And I approached him when I started writing and said, would you read it just to make sure that I'm not making awful errors? And he did and saved me from myself a couple <laughs> of times. Um, so he's been wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And he's just started his own writing career, which is even better. Oh, how fun. I'll have to look mm. out for that. <laughs> so I'm always interested with um, writers who write these types of books if you outline in advance or do you just sort of let the story happen as it goes along? My editors would love it if I did a bit more planning, <laughs> but um, that, that just isn't the way I write. And um, when I was, I've, I've trained journalists as well, and I've always said to them, don't fight the way you write. Uh, it's a natural thing. It's how you do it. You know, there are tricks and tips that we can pass on to you, but in essence, um, it's, it's very difficult. It's like, you know, saying to a right-handed person, you've got to write, or actually be a left-handed person, you've got to write with your right hand. So I am a plunger or a pantser, I think mm -hmm. you call them. Um, but I, I don't just plunge in, you know, willy-nilly. I, I do, um, I have an idea for the story. Uh, with the widow, I knew the ending. Uh, the child, I didn't. Um, the suspect, I did, but I did go back and forth on it. Um, mm. And I know where I'm going, usually. Um, I know my characters. I definitely know my characters. Um, and then, you know, new people pop up along the way. But uh, we go on this journey together. Um, and sometimes it's surprising. Uh, and sometimes it goes as I envisage. So it's, um, it's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing to, to be able to write full time now. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, obviously, without spoiling anything, but mm. imagine if there were things that surprised you along the way with writing The Suspect. Yes. Well, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I, as soon as I was like, one, you, you can't really. Um, it, it's, yeah, I did know the ending. I knew where it was headed. But as I say, I did go back and forth. Um, you've read the book, so you can probably imagine um, what I went back and forth mm -hmm. on. It's a very complex set of issues. And so I thought and rethought and tore my hair out a bit. But, um, yeah, um, I think I, I think I found the right way through. Hope I did. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. So we'll go with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, so at the end of all of our interviews, we have something we call the Nerd Nine, which are nine um, sort of like a lightning round, lighthearted, don't put too much thought into them. Um, okay. <laughs> what is the last book you finished reading? Oh, uh, I'm looking on my bedside table. <laughs> oh, I, I, I read more than one at a time, unfortunately. Uh, I think the last one I finished was, um, where is it? Uh, <laughs> wait, I know, it. I always put me, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's this one, here we are. Uh, it was Cruel Acts by Jane Casey. 
your favorite place to read? Red. I figured when you said you had all those books on your nightstand. (laughs) (laughs) What book made you fall in love with reading? Oh, goodness. Um, Swallows and Amazons, um, a children's book by Arthur Ransom about uh, kids who go on an adventure in the summer. Uh, I read that when I was about six, I think, and I just, you know, nothing could reach me. Mm-hmm. I was in that book all summer. One place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Ooh, oh gosh, so many. I would like to travel to, where would I like to go? The Galapagos, I'd love to go to. Your favorite holiday to celebrate in the American sense? Sorry? Your favorite holiday in sort of the American sense of holiday, um, the holiday to celebrate. Oh, uh, Christmas. Coffee or tea? <gasps> tea. I'm English. <laughs> I know. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes English authors say coffee. Mm. Not very often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, cats or dogs? Uh, oh, both. But we do have three cats, so... Okay, cat. <laughs> uh, your favorite food? Curry. Oh, that's a good answer. And if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh... <laughs> John Lennon. Oh, that's also a good answer. Uh, finally, what would you like readers to take away from the suspect? Oh, goodness. The thing is that when you finish a book, you hand it over to the readers and then it's theirs. Um, they will take all sorts of things from it, I'm sure, different ideas. I just hope they enjoy the ride. I love it. Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.